Welcome back. It is the Bearcat Bounce Podcast, BBP Round 2. I am Brent Young. Aaron Smith is joining. How are we, Aaron? Doing well, man. It was uh, it was another good week. It was another good week. Always a good week when the Bearcats come out on top. Uh, the number 22 team in the nation, the Army Black Knights, heading into town, and they brought that tricky triple option with them. It was a, a victory, a 24-10 win, but a lot of couch coaches or armchair coaches, whatever you call them, <laughs> Monday morning coaches, after the game, a lot of lot to unravel from it. I was there, wrote my little recap about it. You, were, you watched it. Yes, sir. Give me your thoughts. I mean, I got my notes here. Um, I, can, I can give you as little or as much as you want right now. Dive in, Aaron. Dive all the way in. First thing I noticed right from the very beginning, obviously you had I, – I can't explain why we decided running a, an option in the first minute of a game against a team who practices against an option all week, every week. Um, I don't know why that was a good idea. Um, obviously it ended up in the only score for Army of the day, um, but that did come in the first minute, and that didn't feel good for any of the fans watching. I know it didn't feel right. good for me. Um, yeah, it was it was just that's not how you want to start a game. And unfortunately, I think that kind of set the tone for a lot of people in Bearcat Twitter on Bearcat uh, Journal and the uh, the game thread and all of that. I just kind of put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. That's just not how you want to come out. You came out flat, really. Um, so I don't know what the thought process was in that. I know we do trust Fickle. We trust this uh, offensive staff to get the job done. Ultimately, they did. But I it's. I still cannot explain why we thought it was a good idea to run the option there. You know, my, my thought right away was you're, you're playing a team that they, they want to play with a lead. They want to be able to just continuously do their, their offense, run it to a tee, run it down your throats, play from, from above. And, and with a lead, you're able to do that continuously. When you get down, that's when you have to adjust your offensive game plan if you're Army. So like you said, with that first defensive touchdown, it's like you gifted them seven points, and now you're playing right into what they wanted to do. But as you mentioned, it kind of snowballed into a little bit more for the offense and, and you know, keep on going there. It did. Uh, the next thing I noticed, we obviously had to change up things on the defensive scheme, and we switched from our normal standard 3-3-5 to um, – or, yeah, we changed from the 3-3-5 into the 4-4-3. Yep. And, you know, right off the bat – it just it kind of felt like Austin P at the beginning of the game where the defense was kind of also running flat. And I don't know if that was because of the score early on and the team was just running flat in general. I don't know if that was because everybody was kind of making some adjustments to a different defense than they're traditionally running in practice. Um, so there's a lot of different things that it could have been there. Ultimately, again, the team did. They made the adjustments that they had to make and they came out on top. We know the end score. We know how it all played out. But it was just kind of hard to watch as a fan, same as it was week, you know, last week, where you're looking at this defense and you're just kind of wondering, what are you guys doing out there? Yeah, you know, I, I actually came away with it. I, I, I was very impressed with the defense. Um, you know, this oh, is that's I, that's not to say that the defense wasn't good overall. Right. I just right. mean at the early on, we kind of yeah, got that same yeah. feel that we got yet our last week in, in the first half, you know, first, first quarter, especially where they're just kind of dragging and trying to get their feet under them. Yeah. And and I think it was kind of, as you mentioned, kind of at the end of that first quarter, there was probably about like four, four minutes left in the first quarter. And it was after the, uh, the interception by Des where 
you know, he, he overthrew Michael Young Jr. And I think just a mammoth. It was that fourth down and three. And they an army kept the offense on the field. And what happened then was the defense did everything right. You know, they you had you took out the fullback on the dive. Then then you had one player playing the pitch who was Joel DeBlanco, and then you had Jarrell White come up and finish off the quarterback to stuff them on that fourth and three. And I think that was kind of the play, as you mentioned, you know, kind of just trying to figure out that that triple option attack by Army and the way that they're going to bring it to you. But I think that was kind of the play that, that really pushed them forward and gave them the momentum to really finish a very strong game. You're not wrong there. And, you know, like I said, it, for me, it was just kind of frustrating early on. And I think that's where you saw a lot of Bearcat Journal, uh, you know, on the, on the forums and a lot of Bearcat Twitter just started to freak out. Everybody had their own opinion. Everybody was kind of down on the, the Bearcats, honestly, the whole game. And I think that all started because of just the way the defense came out a little flat early on after that, that early touchdown. Uh, but some of the other things I had here, uh, there were a lot of third downs that we gave up. Um, we got to figure out how to stop those third down conversions, especially against a team that's running the ball and running the clock. Um, you know, same thing on the other side of the ball. There are a lot of tip passes. And we'll, I know we got a lot that we're going to break down on, you know, Des Ritter and, and quarterback play here. So I, won't, I don't want to get too much into some of that. Um, but those are kind of some of the nitpicky things. Also, early observation I had, Army hits hard. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah, I, and, and you could tell it on the uh, – I believe it was the opening kickoff when, when Trey Tucker, you know, returned it. He kind of got stuck a little bit, and he, he, he got up, and it was just like, yeah, they're, they're going to hit hard, and including hitting hard. I saw it on Twitter. You, did you see it on TV when the, when the Army offensive lineman headbutted his coach? Damn near knocked himself out. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Damn near knocked himself out. It was woozy. He was woozy. That was crazy. I, I mean, I get the whole headbutting thing. I had a coach back in the day who was a, you know, he had a purple heart. was 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 in the war. You know, kind of kind of really just strong minded, just a just a, a gritty guy out there on the field as a coach. And and he would headbutt kids. But I mean, we were in like you know eighth grade, seventh grade. Yeah, not grown army men. Right, he went. I mean, full these board. are cadets. Yeah, these are cadets. Like went full board. <laughs> that was crazy. I, I mean, I'm surprised that coach stayed on the sidelines. I, I, I was blown away when I saw that. And then right. that's when I was when I also kind of thought in my head. I was like, I was like, you know what? That wasn't very smart. That's not that's not a very smart thing to do. I, I'm sure that I think it was number 58 or 59. He was he was a guy that was drawing back and forth the entire game. With uh, with Maja Sanders and and a couple of the other defensive linemen, but yeah, that was, that blew my mind when I saw that on Twitter. Wow. One thing I did want to say again: these are some of just my early assessments. I know right. we we did we did shore up that third down conversions and what yeah. have you. So I, I, those again, just some early uh, assessments that I had there. Um, you know, then we got the blocked punt. We got the uh, we did have the ball on fourth and goal. We got shored up ourselves. Yeah. Um, yep. So Army was able to do what they had to do there. And in my eyes, you have to figure out a way to score there. If you want to be recognized as a top 15 team in the nation, yep. you know, there's a lot of fans right now that are clamoring for why aren't we ranked higher? Well, yep. you know, look at that fourth. You, know, that, you had four downs right there to score. Fourth and goal, you got to get it in. And, you know, that was kind of the tail of the game as far as the the rushing game went for Cincinnati. Um we just we weren't able to 
convert there on, you know, what should have been an easy score after that blocked punt. So that was, God, I mean, again, you giving some fuel to the fire of Bearcat Twitter and, you know, some of the, the forum there uh, for the, the game thread on Bearcat Journal for people who just were really down on the Bearcats. Yeah, well, you know, as you mentioned, it was obviously Ethan Tucky, the Dikembe mm-hmm. Mutombo of the Bearcats special teams. I've been trying to get that traction ever since he, he went, went on a little block party last season. Yes, and sir. it's kind of gotten a little bit of traction, you know. I, I, I saw Justin Williams tweeted. He said he said he, he Mutomboed the punt. So, I, I mean, it's getting traction. I just need, need some <laughs> more people to follow through with it. The Dikembe Mutombo of the Bearcats special teams getting his the fourth blocked kick of his career. Fifth, if you count the block against ECU, with I'm, which I'm going to count, but five blocks in your career on special teams, that's just, just some sort of knack of getting after the ball. But as you mentioned, when you get that, I, I kind of thought in my head, I was like, we need to scoop and score that. But Darian Beavers couldn't get underneath it in time, got out of bounds. And then, as you mentioned, at, at the seven-yard line, you, have, you go four straight run plays up the middle after your your rushing attack is getting stalwarted the entire game up the middle, and and not once are you looking at the separation that you had on the outside. You know, a quick slant to Michael Young Jr. that you literally scored on two possessions earlier. Mm-hmm. You don't look at that at all. So I thought, yeah, the play calling was a little questionable on those three plays. And then, of course, yeah, it's just very, very strange that they weren't able to push that one in. That that middle rushing attack is definitely something that needs to be worked on and, and, and fixed really quick. You're not wrong. And, you know, you got a three-headed monster between Ford, Dokes, and McClelland. And, you know, any given moment, any of those guys can break through, can break out. And I just feel like if you're going to run it four straight plays right then and there, you got to figure out a way to get multiple guys on that field so you don't know who the hell's actually going to have the ball in their hands. You know, they're just a little smoke and mirrors trying to figure out how to, how to score there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then, you know, and then it kind of, as you mentioned, that's that's kind of when the second quarter kind of went to a lull after that, after, you know, just getting getting stuffed and having it then roll into halftime. And that's where it kind of was the, you know, what's going to happen in the second half is which team is going to come out in the second half. And I, that, that opening drive by Army kind of, as you mentioned, it probably, probably continued to have that little pit in the stomach of all the Bearcat fans. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I took away too from Army that kind of surprised me in that first half and kind of continued in the second half is the lack of discipline. There were a lot of uh, flags being thrown at Army. You know, they 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 had a lot of uh, errors there, and you know, just not something that you think of when you hear Army is you know undisciplined and getting a lot of those flags and penalties. Yeah, what what I kind of compared that to to myself was when you're playing in a basketball game and you can either have some officials that call the ticky-tack fouls on on drives you know I I think back to the Memphis basketball game last year at Memphis where so many fouls weren't called and I, I was losing it losing it at home watching the game just as Jay Billis was losing it on the broadcast saying that's a foul that's right. a foul you know, and it, it led to John Brandon getting a technical. And it, it kind of was like those where you some days you might not get the foul calls. You might not get the penalties on those chop blocks. And you might not get the penalties on the illegal holds and things of that sort. Because 
you know, Army does that. If, if, if you watch the game, they were doing some sort of a chop block, some sort of a hold on every single play. You know, it's, it's just which ones are going to be that extreme where you throw the flag, which ones are going to be that illegal where you throw, throw the flag. So it's kind of like that. So I agree. It was really – it was good to see the, the penalty flags thrown because you look at two years ago, that was what hurt Perry Young, you know, was, was an illegal chop block. Right. Just, you know, they go at your knees, and, and that's, that's how injuries happen. So I was happy that they were really policing that early in the game. They even mentioned that on the telecast, actually, about Perry Young. And yeah. kind of in when after there was a chop block that was called, uh, so it was nice to see that they did their homework too, as far as the uh, the broadcasters went. Um, then you had a big turnover after a long Army drive. I think Army had the ball roughly a little over four minutes. I got four twelve here, um, mm-hmm. so you know we, we were able to get turnover there, and that's kind of what we needed. I think you were alluding to that before I kind of got in there with some of the penalty talk. Um, but we needed a turnover there. We needed to show the fans. We needed to show the team, the sidelines, like, hey, we are a top team to be reckoned with. Uh, we're not putting up, you know, the 400 yards that UCF is putting up right now. But we're figuring out ways to win. We're making these adjustments. And they needed to make an adjustment at halftime. They made an adjustment. They were able to get a turnover there. And that, that turnover there was huge. Yeah, yeah. They picked up four first downs back to back to back to back. Before you know it, you're starting to think in your head, you're like, oh, gosh, the offense is getting going. Oh, no, what if they get in the end zone here? Before you know it, the score is 14 to 10. You're down, and you're kind of playing into exactly what Army did. And, of course, Michael Pitts, you know, he, he kind of, with the whole shifting to the 3-3-5, that, that entire jack position is kind of, you know, pardon the pun, jacked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so not really sure – where they're going to be used on, on passing downs or, or things like that. But you could tell Michael Pitts had a huge role in the game, seven tackles. But that, that forced fumble, in my eyes, was, was one of the plays of the game, if not the play of the game, where you're able to take the momentum back in your favor. And then the offense came out and just had a, a new level of urgency to get the ball down the field and score. That was the next point I wanted to make is I don't know why we didn't stick with the hurry up the rest of the game because that very next drive, we switched over to a hurry up offense and that mm-hmm. made it all the difference in the world. Ritter looked more comfortable. The running game actually got going. You know, we did have McClellan and Ford. Ford eventually ended up scoring. Uh, that was, I think, something that we needed to continue to do and build on that and kind of see if that could be, I don't know, maybe the new identity of the offense, because that was the only time I feel like that they've actually really looked comfortable and clicking on all cylinders in this short two-game season so far. Yeah, and four punches in that touchdown. Then then you get a little extra saucy on the next drive with the, with the interception by a mod sauce gardener. And then that's what I thought in my head. I was like, I was like, okay, smooth sailing from here on out. And I thought there was no way that, that this team wasn't going to just win this one running away because – Obviously, at halftime, the score should have been a lot more wide than, than the margin it was. But and it kind of just seemed like after that, it, it didn't re- the offense didn't continue with that same click. I, you know, the next possession, negative five yards. And then it kind of just hit a lull back and forth where, where finally Army then had that big drive that they had. I, I mean, it seemed as if the offense had that one clicking, as you mentioned, with the hurry up. And then all of a sudden, they slowed down, lost five yards, had to punt it away. And, and a great punt by, by Mr. James Smith, the, the Aussie, mate, great punt. But, you know, that's when Army kind of got going. And, and you, it, Luke Fickle talked about it, you know, a 26-yard rush by Christian Anderson. 
and, and different things of that sort, these big plays, but the defense just stepped up when they needed to. They did, and, you know, Army's penalties, again, started to pile up there uh, as the game progressed, as we've already mentioned a little bit. Um, you know, we, we had great field position uh, after the interception by Gardner, but we ended up getting penalties, so it was kind of back and forth with the penalty thing, and I know penalties was kind of the Achilles heel of this team last year. Right. Um, so, you know, it just – the offense, to your point, just it wasn't gelling the same as it did when they were on that hurry up. Uh, yeah. I even wrote down, to me, in this game, it looked like Ritter's regressed a little bit from last year. And I don't like to say that. I know it's early on. You know, there's some rust. You didn't have normal practice because of COVID-19. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we, we did get to camp higher ground, but even that was probably, I'm assuming, run completely different than it's been run in years past. Right. So, you know, you, you don't have – everything's kind of up in the air right now. We're, all, we're figuring this entire season out kind of on the fly. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say that Ritter looks like he's regressed by the end of the year, but as of right now, it's hard not to make that assessment. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and, and we'll touch on that here in a second. But, you know, obviously Army stages their, their best drive of the game that they had and had to settle for the field goal, though, and uh, kind of brought it within a touchdown. And then, you know, after that, you're, you're trading punts back and forth. And, you know, it, it just kind of seemed like nothing was really going on until another big play by the defense. And, and that's, that's with nine minutes left in that fourth quarter. And, and I'm talking about my Jay Sanders coming through. Huge sack on a, on a third down and 13, Christian Anderson. I, you know, they are, probably aren't going to pick that one up. But my Jay Sanders, man, whew, he is a beast. He is a man, man, man out there. And he, he's able to come through, get that sack. I think that really swung the momentum and kind of gave them that urgency that they could do again. And then before you know it, that's when Dokes had that eight-yard rush. And then, Aaron, we know what happens after that. Right after that, you know, Jared Dokes, had, he's wide open. If he misses that, we're all mad. But he's <laughs> wide open for a 60-yard catch and run. Yeah, so- Imagine the, the board – and, and Cincinnati Bearcat Twitter, if Dez overthrows Dokes on that, we are out. I mean, thank God it, we aren't having that conversation. Armageddon. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, even you got to think what's going on in Dokes' head at the same time, too, is I'm so open right now if yeah. I dropped it. Like, there's too much time to think during those moments where you literally don't have anybody on you. You can't miss that. He didn't. Thank God. Scampers down the field, 60 yards. Um, and that blew the whole game wide open. Yeah. At that point, it's a 14-point lead. You've forced Army to get out of their triple option. Now they're having to pass the ball. They're not comfortable passing the ball. The quarterback right. hadn't had a game with over 30 yards yet this season. I think yeah. he finished the day with 93 yards, I believe. Um, and, you know, granted, he had more yards in the game than he had all season. But right. that's not saying much anyway. Yeah, um, and – and then after that, you know, as you mentioned, it's the defense closes it out. Offense, I thought a little bit too conservative on the play calling, but you know what? It, it is what it is. They uh, they forced their defense to come back out, and, and, and the Black Cats wrapped it up. They were able to finish it. That last drive, to all you gamblers out there, Army gets the ball back, 308. I'm not saying this is, this is me worrying but I'm saying all you gamblers out there that had it at 13 and a half the Bearcats sitting with a 24 to 10 lead before you know it all of a sudden Army's rushing right down the field and they they set themselves up trying to get one more touchdown to crack back into it but 
yet again. Great play in the deep, in the end zone by Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Another great play by James Wiggins, knocking the ball down on fourth down. After that, it's it's all she wrote, and a uh, just just a final bow on the game, and another victory. And now they're two and zero on the season. A win against a ranked team, you know, it's it's kind of like okay, so so what now? You're playing a South Florida team that will be completely overmatched, but the the giant elephant in the ring. Aaron, I'm just going to trade, pass it to you. Then you're going to give it back to me, and I'll get on my soapbox. But time for you. The the main talk around Cincinnati Bearcat fandom is Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Take it away, Aaron. Here's my thoughts on Desmond Ritter. You got you got to remember who's coaching Desmond Ritter. Coaching Desmond Ritter is Luke Fickle, and you talked about a little bit that the offense looked like they were playing a little bit conservative. Who was Luke Fickle coach under? Jim Trestle. Looked a little bit like Trestle ball in my eyes. Just Trestle wasn't one to run up the score. He was one to grind the game, keep the possession in their favor, and just win the game. With that said, Luke Fickle's going to stay with Desmond Ritter. Why? Because Desmond Ritter, generally speaking, wins games. There's, he finds a way to win. It may not always be pretty, but he finds a way to win. So that could very well be the difference. I'm not having the conversations with Ritter and Bryant that Fickle's having, but that may be the difference between the leader on the field in Des Ritter and what the players actually believe in Des Ritter versus a Ben Bryant. We haven't seen a whole lot of Ben Bryant on the field. He's been there in some spot situations uh, this year. Uh, we saw a little bit more of him last year as Ritter had his shoulder injury, uh, but you know, I don't know that we've seen the same situation where we saw with uh, a couple years ago with Caleros when he came in due to injury and just kind of took the world by storm. I don't know that Ben Bryant's necessarily that guy. Granted, he's got a better arm. I don't think anybody's really going to argue that. I don't know if Des Ritter would honestly argue that if you had him in a truth test. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think Fickle's going to stick with this guy until he can't, until he stops winning. Yeah, you know, I, I think I have been – probably one of the biggest Desmond Ritter stands and all of Cincinnati media. I, I simply love a quarterback that has the confidence of his team behind them, as well as the confidence out, out on the field. You know, I think that he is, is a game manager plus, I think that he wins football games, but then uh, there were certain times during Saturday where it, it kind of just really did frustrate me because I, I watched a little bit of film of Army leading into the game, and I kind of thought in my head, okay, this is a game that the Bearcats can win soundly. I, I was extremely confident in the Bearcats winning, kind of running away. Uh, and then you look back, and all of a sudden, it's a little bit of overthrow. So you, you, you see uncharacteristic where if Dez is going to make a mistake, it's not going to be a mistake that hurts his team. So the option pitch, first off, not really if, – if you rewatch it, I, which I did, Deshaun Jackson, and, and I'll tip my cap to Chad on this one as well. He, he could, should have chipped the DB a little bit more. But if you're Dez, that pitch is very late. At probably one that you want to try to just tuck and, and see what you can get. It seemed like a lot of commotion, a lot of, a lot of bodies in that area where that pitch was going. And then the interception. Normally, if Dez is going to miss a pass, it's not going to be one that's, that's to the point where it's going to hurt the team but it was overthrown and it was tipped. And then all of a sudden intercepted and you're giving the ball back to army. 
in Bearcat territory. And so all those things combined kind of just made me think, okay, you know, why not throw out Ben Bryant for a little bit, see how it looks. You know, I think that the staff will have a lot to talk about, a lot to think about this week going into USF. Both quarterbacks maybe get a lot of time there. But overall, you've got Desmond Ritter, who is just a winner. And sure, he's not going to be able to complete all these passes, but you know, it, it seemed as if there was a lot to be left out there. You saw UCF win soundly at Georgia Tech. They're getting a lot of love now. They're getting ranked higher in every poll. They're getting the attention and the looks that Cincinnati could be getting if they were to win running away against Army, as they probably should have if some of those passes were completed. So it's going to be interesting to follow that story of the quarterback room from here on out. I don't disagree. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see the play on the field as well and how what kind of leash, uh, you know, Ritter has. I don't think Fickle has a, a deaf ear to what the fans are saying. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's that kind of a coach. Um, I think he's probably thinking the same things, uh, whether he's coming out and saying it or not. Uh, with that said, I still think he's going to stick with Ritter a little bit longer than what any of us are probably going to like because he's won games for him. Right, right. Well, and then next is is that the main thing that takes a little pressure off, you know, there, there were some wide-open receivers, which you have to be, you know, Michael Young Jr. coming out party of sorts and from Notre Dame, obviously. He had a great game, five catches, 60 yards. Probably could have had eight catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, I, I digress. What Cincinnati has been known to do with Michael Warren and, and, and with, you know, the, the beast in the trenches, the, the mean and nasty offensive lineman, is really run the football. And, and that has been something they have not been able to establish. Army was able to kind of befuddle them up the middle. But, I mean, what's, what's something that you see about the run game? It kind of seems like this is something that's really kind of a struggle so far in the first two games. Well, I think the run game can establish the pass game, but at the same time, I think the pass game can establish the run game. Right. And right now, neither of those are really taking off. I think what you have to do is go back to that Army tape, and like I kind of talked about earlier, you have to look at that hurry up. Now, UCF, uh, you know, you're comparing us a little bit to UCF as far as, uh, I mean, it's hard not to compare the two teams right now. Same right. conference and, you know, were looked at as potential top 10 teams, at least top 15 teams, even after right. the new rankings came out. But you've got to think about looking at UCF's offense. What are they doing? They're running that hurry up. What did we do? We ran a hurry up and it looked really good. Like I said, it looked like the first time we've really gelled all year in what looked like a comfortable offense. So mm -hmm. I'd like to see them go back and look at the tape and maybe see about running a little, not even, you don't need, you don't have to do that every single drive, but maybe just interject it in a little bit more, especially when you look like you're losing some of that energy and see if you can't keep the guys on the field a little bit longer and run some of those longer drives. Yeah, and with that hurry-up offense, as you mentioned, it was actually that offense that sounded like they were pushing the ball down the field with, with the pass. They they ran the ball four times on that drive with high efficiency. You know, Charles McClellan had two big runs, and then, you know, two big runs capped off with the touchdown by Jerome Ford. Of, I believe, 42 yards just on the ground in that one hurry-up drive. So, yeah, interesting to see if they continue to go with that. But, you know, I had, you, you take a step back and you, you listen to Michael Young Jr. in the in post-game press conference. You listen to, to, De, to 
pardon me, to uh, Coach Fickle in, in the postgame presser. And it's kind of as if they talk about how the offense will click. There are so many new pieces. And, yes, I know everyone on the board is going to talk about the Alec Pierce thing being an excuse and that, you know, everyone wants to bring up excuses for Desmond Ritter and, and for the offense. But, you know, you are talking about the leading receiver on the outside, a, a receiver who was really starting to gain a, a nice back and forth with, with Desmond Ritter and who was actually – having a great offseason. Everyone talked about the amount of athleticism that they saw out of Alec Pierce. He was already athletic, but all of a sudden he took it to a new level this offseason. And we have not yet been able to see that due to the lingering injury that he had leading up to that opening game against Austin P. So I think that's another component going into it. But, you know, it, you didn't really hear too much worry from Fickle or or Michael Young Jr. You kind of just heard, just just wait, just just wait, guys. We will click. Things will work. And when you have confidence in the quarterback and confidence in, in your team as a whole that it will work out, you know, you, sometimes you do have to sit back and just listen to them because they are the ones that are seeing all the action. As all of us are just seeing what we can see, they are the ones that are living it every day. One of the things, too, from last year that Desmond Ritter, anytime he had a successful game, it felt like anyway, he had a successful game not only in the air but also on the ground. Yes. Yeah. So, when you talk about getting that run game going, I think it also starts with the quarterback because he's not – doesn't seem anyway to be scampering out of the pocket and getting those big chunk gains that he's – that we're accustomed to seeing him get. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And and if, if this team is to make it to the next level, you know, we mentioned how UCF really showed out at Georgia Tech, and now they're getting all the love. You know, Cincinnati needs to show out, and, and luckily the AAC has a lot of good teams this year. And they're going to be able to do that in conference. You know, this they did win this game. And if you look at Army's schedule, Army could very easily go 10-1 and one this year with that one loss coming to the Bearcats. And if, if Army's sitting at 10-1 and one at the end of the year, because, I I mean, if, if you are diving into their schedule, then you just look and glance and, wow, Army's 10-1. and one. Their, their one loss was to Cincinnati. That must be a good team. Never mind the, the other wins are against, like, Houston Baptist and Texas San Antonio and teams like that. But that's, that's just another thing to look at and, and just, just eyeball test if, you're, if you are looking at the Bearcats. They didn't really pass it too much. The defense 100% passed it. And that is the main thing that can really propel them into these conversations is just how great that defense is. And, you know, you look at my Jay Sanders. You, you talk about, you know, Darrell White, a career-high 15 tackles all over the field. You know, James Wiggins is coming coming back full strength. It, it's just up and down, that, that defense is really filling in the way that a lot of people thought they were. And so I think that's going to really be the calling card when you talk about the Bearcats and talk about them as the season progresses. But, you know, i got to just wrap up that. It's 24-10 to 10 win over the number 22 team in the country. In the end, you just got to take a step back and you got to say, okay, obviously nothing's perfect. It's week two. But we did win this football game. Time to move on and, and time to see what we can correct and what we can do against South Florida next weekend. As far as correct, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, I was just going to say, as far as correcting, I think we, we hit kind of everything. I think you need to, the defense needs to come out a little bit stronger early on. Um, and I'm hoping as we get back into our standard defense, as opposed to changing things up for the triple option, I'm hoping that becomes one of the things that we notice right out of the gate. Right. Um, 
especially after two games where it seems like it took him a little bit to kind of get going. Um, and then also just the quarterback play and, and run game. And I think if one goes, the other will go right with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But at, at this point, the Bearcats will be in that conversation for the long haul. And it's going to continue with another win this Saturday, if they're able to, against South Florida. South Florida was off this week against Florida Atlantic. They had, you know, they Notre Dame had to postpone their game against Wake Forest due to some positive COVID tests, yada, yada, yada. Then all of a sudden the contact tr- tracing affects South Florida. South Florida postpones their game against Florida Atlantic. It'll probably be something to track is, you know, through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday just, just to hear that South Florida's back, the Bulls are practicing, all systems go. That's going to be something to track at the beginning of this upcoming week. But what did you see around the AAC this week? Uh, you know, kind of a weird weird week where not, not too many games, but still some big performances. Well, one of the things I saw, and I'll touch on it here in my uh, weekly recap on Bearcat Journal, one of the things I saw is more postponed games. Now, as I look at the games that have been played versus the games that have been postponed, do you have any idea how many games versus how many games played have been postponed? Wow. Like overall? Yeah. Ah, uh, man. I'm going to say I'm gonna say maybe the postpones are, are only losing by maybe 10 games. We are exactly at 10-game difference. We've played wow. 15. 10 have been postponed. Um, well, so I think it ended up being like 60%. Um, we've played 60%. So one of the things as we kind of step back from the AAC a little bit and look at actually the, uh, the entire NCAA, um, I think my math was off there. I got excited about toning my stats, but, um, (laughs) education, man, that's, that's fine. Um, that's, that's why I was a math major and didn't finish with a math major. (laughs) That's why I went communications. Hey, you know, I, I told everyone to take the over in the game this this weekend, but in my prediction, I I predicted twenty seven to ten, which would be the under. So uh, my math is a little off as well. So no it's, worries it's there. We but make it. One of the things that I brought up that I'm going to bring up in my weekly recap is, uh, you know, we've we've played at a sixty percent clip, and if you're looking at these, the Pac twelve coming back, the Big Ten coming back, um, one thing that kind of bothers me is they're starting so late and looking at an eight-game schedule, a seven-game schedule. You know, you look at a team like Memphis, who's missed three games, I believe, already. If you have an outbreak with one of these Pac-12 or Big Ten teams in that same type of situation, just looking at the AAC and how many games have been missed, what are you going to do when you have Ohio State going into their last game of the season, having only played four games, 4-0? Four and oh, Are you really putting a 4-0 and oh team into the college football playoff? That's crazy, right? Yeah, it is crazy, but you know, it's that's when when that conversation comes, people are going to talk about it and say, "But we knew Ohio State was the best team in these four games. They showed out. They 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 won by twenty one points or more in every game. This, that, and the other. You know, it. I'm, I'm sure maybe down the line there's going to be some parameters put up where you had to play maybe a minimum of seven games or a minimum of of this, that, and the other games, but. You know, that's that's an interesting thing to track the rest of the way because, you know, as you mentioned, kind of like Houston. <laughs> like, I feel they so can't get a game in. Yeah. <laughs> they can't get a game in. Dana Holgerson must be doing something wrong, man. He, they, it's it's been, what, three straight weeks where their opener has been postponed. And get this, zero, zero weeks has it been their fault. It has been the opposing team every single time. Two games last week were postponed for yeah. Houston. 
I, it's it's horrible. I I mean, North Texas just decided, hey, we've got Houston on it. You know, maybe Houston's a juggernaut this year. Maybe they are, like, so good, NFL level, and everyone is just simply afraid to play them, and they – Every single game against them will be postponed, and they will be—they will call themselves undefeated, like Central Florida, crown themselves national champions. You're talking Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars, national champions 2020 with an 0-0 record. It's wild, man. 2020 just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, so yeah, South Florida FAU you mentioned was also postponed. Tulsa, Arkansas State, uh, the same Arkansas State that beat Kansas State, even though Kansas State beat Oklahoma and Memphis beat uh, uh, Arkansas State. The whole yeah. – everything's a mess. Right. Uh, nothing makes sense anymore. No, it does not. Um, it does not. And, you know, you, you, you touch on that. And, and we're going to touch on it a little bit more when we open up to all college football. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that you are able to beat an Arkansas State if you're Memphis and all of a sudden Memphis uh, – pardon me, an Arkansas State – beats Kansas State. Kansas State beats Oklahoma. It's supposed to be the cream of the crop. That's a black eye to the Big 12 as a whole. It, yeah. It, it, it will cast a shadow over them as a whole. And, I mean, so that's that, that's a huge little progression going. But what the AAC has to do, they just have to continue to win. And that's what all three teams that – pardon me, all four if you count the Bearcats, all three teams did do was they won, except for ECU, but, you know, Central Florida had to win that game the AAC wants to be in the conversation at the end of the year. So to your point, yes, uh, games that were played, UCF mollywhopped ECU. It wasn't even really a game. I'm here to say Dylan Gabriel might actually be a legit Heisman contender. Uh, (laughs) The dude's putting up crazy numbers. I know it's only a two-game sample, and things can change really quick. 32 of 47, 408 yards, four touchdowns. it's they put up another 224 on the ground led by McCray. Uh, <clears throat> Greg McCray there, he had a touchdown, 83 yards. They're doing everything that they have to do. They yeah. had two, two receivers over 100 yards. I believe Marlon Williams, he's a senior. Um, he had 13 catches, and I think that was a career high for him. Uh, just they're again, they're, they're doing everything they have to do. They're running that hurry up and they're getting a lot of yards. And that's where, selfishly, I'd like to see us, I'm even okay, just completely copycatting and running up a little bit more offense and kind mm-hmm. of seeing some of those same numbers. Yeah, and, and everyone loves offense, you right. know, to, to coin the old, the old basketball coach at the University of Cincinnati. You know, offense, you know, gets you, get you the girlfriends and gets you, you know, the, the Twitter followers and, and the love and, and the media and things like that. But the defense is what wins those championships. But, you know, Aaron, in today's game, especially when style points truly do matter if your team that's not one of the quote-unquote power five conferences, you're going to need to have that offensive firepower, as you mentioned. You're going to need those those style points, those gaudy stats, those, those wow, look at Dylan Gabriel. He is really lighting it up. What team does he play for? Central Florida. Oh, are they going to go undefeated? Yeah, you know, as as you mentioned, it's it's something that needs to happen if you're playing in the AAC. And Tulane did it, SMU did it. I mean, it's it's something that that Cincinnati will will have to do. And you know, the Army defense was good, top thirty last year. Always going to be traditionally a strong, you know, and and a tough 
go this this year because they run that three four, but they really attack. They they're aggressive up front. They they change up the looks on you, but still, you kind of get some some offensive firepower going as you mentioned. And you brought up Tulane. They you said they did it. They won sixty six to twenty four. Um, <clears throat> they played Southern Miss. They did actually make a quarterback change in the game. They went away from uh, Keon Howard as he went one for three. He had a quick leash. They put in the freshman, Michael Pratt, and he led him to pay dirt after they had a 14-0. Uh, they were down 14-0. That's when they made the quarterback change. Uh, a lot of rushing in this game, 430 yeah. yards rushing, two, uh, two running backs over 100 yards in uh, <clears throat> Cameron Carroll. He had three touchdowns, 163 yards. Just a lot of offense there. Uh, senior Stefan Hooterson, Hutterson? Huh? Huh? I think it's Hooterson. Sure. Uh, he had another – he had a touchdown, 120 yards there. They're, they're just doing what they need to do. 142 in the air. It kind of looked like an Army game, a little bit more in the air than what Army would do, but just mm-hmm. a lot of rushing yards there at 430. I'm really hoping that Tulane doesn't continue to put up those types of numbers because if that's the case, they got a young quarterback there as a freshman starting. They might actually be somebody to reckon with here in the next couple of years. Yeah, the coach got an extension, so it's a, it's a team with some confidence behind them, there's no doubt. SMU 50-7 to over Stephen F. Austin. We don't really need to touch on that one too much. Stephen F. Austin <laughs> is, uh, is, you know what, the – what are they, the Lumberjacks, I believe? Uh, they had that great little run in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. It's about where my – oh, and they have that huge win at Duke. How about that? They took down the Blue Devils in basketball. That they did. That was a big surprise. But that's all the love Stephen F. Austin will be getting on the Bearcat Bounce podcast today. But, Aaron, before we you know dive into football recruiting with the Bearcats, a huge commitment over the weekend as well, and we'll touch on some great performances over on Friday that that the 2021 commits had. You know, let's let's just take a look around college football just in general, and then and then maybe let's let's give everyone a chance to win some some easy money with some early Bearcats best bets for the upcoming weekend. Early lines are out. We'll see a lot of movement on all of those. But as of right now, you you mentioned earlier, around college football, some upsets, some big upsets. Uh, you know, you're talking about Kansas State, Oklahoma. You're talking about Mississippi State taking down the, you know, the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers. Defending champions. No more. It, you know, it, it's kind of interesting when you lose the, the best quarterback, the, the best single-season quarterback in college football history. It's you know, things are going to be a little different there in Baton Rouge, but still. Uh, and even Texas could have possibly lost a big one mm-hmm. to Texas Tech. But this is showing you there's a lot of chance for movement if you are Central Florida, if you are Cincinnati, Memphis, teams like that in the AAC, because there has been a lot of disparity and a lot of unknowns coming into the year. And in such a crazy year, you need those upsets to happen. You're not wrong. Uh, so as we're looking at, you know, some of the some of the games coming in, I know uh, some of the ones that you had asked me to kind of take an eye or keep an eye on. Um, obviously, you know, Cincinnati here. Um, it's I, I think we're going to have to make a, a pick there. Uh, an early early uh, spread is coming in at twenty one point five. Right uh, over South Florida. I'm gonna. I don't think I can take the over on twenty one point five. I think I'm going to have to take the under. And oh, until, wow. until, 
until I see this offense really start gelling, I don't know that I see them putting up, you know, 35. I, I think the defense will be just fine, but I'm worried about the offense actually putting up without the defense really letting anything go and, or, or even the offense giving up anything to the defense. South um, so that, Florida and laying the points, huh? So that okay. said, yeah, I don't know that I can take 21 and a half with the Bearcats here. Yeah. You know what? I am, uh, I'm all over Cincinnati in this one. I think that they try and come out and make a statement. 21 and a half is a lot of points and I hate that half point as well, but you know, you're talking about a South Florida team that is horrendous. They, their offense is, they can't score. They are, they, they are, they struggle to score. They went to South Bend and got, you know, you talk about Molly locked. They got, Molly walked. Mm-hmm. And with all the, the unknowns as far as the, the COVID and, and contact tracing and whatnot, did that all of a sudden throw a little wrench into their development as well? Are they going to be completely all hands on deck to try and take down Cincinnati in Cincinnati? It's going to start to get colder the next weekend in, in the Queen City. You know, the South Florida, they don't really like the cold. <laughs> you know, it's going to be I'm, – I'm, I'm taking the Bearcats there. I think that they uh, they come out and they make a statement leading into that bye week. But last year we saw in that Tulsa game at home heading into the bye week, a little bit of difficulties as well. But what else are you seeing Bearcats' best bets? You uh, you had me looking at Bama at 9.5 against uh, Texas A&M in that game. I think I got to take Bama in the over. Uh, again, it's one of those things where you, you bet on Bama until you can't. And uh, Nick Saban, you know, he's going to get those boys ready. Texas A&M had to go to overtime against Texas to, you know, for Texas to pull it out and, and win. I don't think Bama is going to have that problem with Texas A&M. Yeah, you, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting thing because you see Alabama as the number two team in the country. They they beat Mizzou thirty-eight to nineteen. I told everyone to take Bama when it was at twenty-one and a half. Sorry if you did it. You know, sorry if you if, if you followed my advice. You know, that, <laughs> I, it really hurts me that that I did that to you guys. But you know, and I, I think in Texas Tech, it's a team that you got to really look for. Pardon me, Texas A and M, a team you got to look for to to try and 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 really have a big season. Um, Jimbo Fisher, obviously, this might be his most talented team. I think it's a little closer. I think it's a little closer than expected. But I am going to go Bama as well. Uh, Memphis and SMU. That's this little AAC flavor for you guys. Four and a half at SMU for Memphis. Memphis had a couple weeks off with COVID. You know, party busing, no more, no more party bus. But now instead they head to SMU and, I, you know, the ponies. Four and a half, home dogs. I'm SMU. I'm throwing money at SMU. Oh. I think Memphis is going to come out rusty. Um, selfishly, I'd like Memphis to win because we do have to play them later on the season and a win is going to help them in the standings because I don't think Memphis is going to keep up with us when we do play them, but four and a half against a SMU team that's put up a lot of points. I think it's 146 points. They've already put up this year in three games. Wow. I'm taking SMU. SMU. Okay. Okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm, that game last year was fantastic at Memphis at just a, a, a classic game that got a lot of love on national TV for the AAC. Uh, you know, this this game should get a lot of love this weekend as well. I actually like the Tigers. I think the Tigers look pretty good against Arkansas State. We saw how good Arkansas State was. I'm going to go four and a half with Memphis. Uh, Georgia-Auburn, just just go quick pick on this one. Georgia, all day. Georgia, four and a half. Okay, at home. I'll roll with you there. Clemson-Virginia, number one team in the country. 
Trevor Lawrence, 27 and a half versus Virginia. It's a lot of points, but Trevor Lawrence. Okay. okay. And last but not least, Central Florida and Tulsa. I see it as only 18 and a half for Central Florida. I think when Tulsa gave Oklahoma State a little bit of a, a run for their money last week, Maybe that kind of made people think. Vegas thinks people might go a little bit, but I think the Golden Knights are uh, going to really, really run out that score. I think uh, you'd be foolish not to take UCF at 18 and a half, and I think you'll see that line actually grow as more money goes at UCF. Well, that's, that's Bearcats' best bets yet again. Replay that and, and follow as you may. I do not – Send me the invoice. Do not send Aaron the invoice. We will just have to uh, have to continue partying through. No party buses, but if we do land some of these wins, we will figure out some sort of way to socially distance ourselves and celebrate. But Aaron, we need to get into recruiting. Cincinnati Bearcats 2021 class picked up their highest rated recruit over the weekend. Kind of a bit of a surprise as Chairman Mattire. I'm going to say Chairman Mattire. It might be Shaman Mattire. I am not entirely sure. I apologize to anyone who knows his, the, the pronunciation of his name, but I do not. Chairman Mattire is what I'm going with. I'm going to call and, him Shimon uh, in case, until. Oh, I like Shimon. Shimon. Shimon Mattire. I like it. Uh, so rated as number 15th athlete in the nation. He's going to play tight end for the Bearcats. Kind of fills the, the added tight end U that you've seen laid, laid out, you know, Brent Selleck, Travis Kelsey, you know, Josiah DeGuara, list goes on and on. He's going to try and continue to carry that torch. Josh Wiley having a big season. You know, you talk about Lenny Taylor having a good year. Uh, just Bruno LaBelle. The tight end room has become one that's extremely talented, and he is a big addition. Instantly moves them up to the 44th class in the nation. Uh, you know, when you add a player of his talent, six foot five, athletic, can move, that's a big addition. You're not wrong. I mean, that was one of the things that the coaching staff was looking for, especially with this class that they hadn't yet gotten a piece for, was uh, an addition in that tight end room. So, especially with DeGuara going NFL, I mean, that was obviously he was going to do that as he was a senior. Um, and now with, you know, Wiley, he game one, he had a big show out game two um i think he had a drop pass i think that was really the only time that i saw him targeted but we've already touched on ritter kind of missing some guys um there. he had one catch over the middle that was a good hauling actually but yeah yeah it wasn't really showcased as much as i would have wanted him to he right. did have a big tackle on special teams that he was very pumped up about i did see that but yeah you know definitely i wanted to see him a little bit more involved but, yeah, no, I think this kind of fills that hole that they were looking to fill with the recruiting class. And, you know, the more bodies that you can get into that room, especially big bodies, you're looking mm -hmm. at, you know, number 15 athlete in the nation. That's kind of a big deal. So, no, this, this only strengthens that room. Yeah, and then you just – just a quick look. And, obviously, this will be in the, the written version of the Bearcat Bounce that will come out on Tuesday. But, you know, kind of some, some really good performances yet again by the 2021 commits, you know, Brian Threats, you talk about what he is able to do as, as an athlete out of Ohio, just one of the more electric players. You know, a lot of people pin him as playing defensive back for the Bearcats. You, know, you can use him all over the field, 19 rushes, 151 yards, and a touchdown, and another win for Dublin Kaufman. They are 5-0 and on the season. You know, Aaron, 
the the main thing that I see as you look up and down at all the commits is the success of their teams. You know, you're talking about a lot of wins, and that's what you want. You want that winning mentality when you come in in your first couple of seasons to just continue to carry the torch and and win football games because that's that's number one first and foremost. And all these kids come from teams that have winning records or they're right out there very competitive. Absolutely, and especially when we talk about some things that this Bearcat team currently is, is some of the problems that we feel that they're facing. Uh, you look at some of the guys that are having their, their big big years this year. Um, Byron Threats, you know, he's, his team's 5-0. and That's a running back. You got JoJo Johnson. You know, his team's also 5-0. and That's a wide receiver. You got Brady Lichtenberg. His team, 3-1. and That's a quarterback. So a lot of these guys on the offensive side of the ball, especially, are having big years. I think you've got it here. Forty-three and fourteen is the overall record. Not not too shabby. No, not not bad at all. When you bring in that winning mentality, that is something that's really going to go a long way. It's just because you know, just simply, you know, we're talking about so many high school teams out there and talented players on high school teams that will play at the next level. If you have a, a player that comes in from a winning program. He knows how to tie his shoes like a winner. He knows how to strap on his shoulder pads like a winner, puts his pants on like a winner. All that really adds in just game day preparation, practice preparation, just being there, being alert, and knowing what it takes to really come out as a winner. As you mentioned, one is Brady Lichtenberg, who with his performance on Friday night, he was 23 of 39, 271 yards through the air, three touchdowns, another rushing touchdown added on top. But he now has 8,543 career passing yards, which is 15th best, best in Ohio history. But the main thing is he became the most illustrated, the, the greatest passer in Toledo high school football history with his performance on Friday. You're talking about joining a quarterback room that will have a senior Desmond Ritter, Ben Bryant if he comes back as a junior, the highest rated recruit in Bearcat history, Evan Prater. Mm-hmm. You add in a player of Brady Lichtenberg's caliber, and you're not even talking about Michael Lindauer, who is who is a big time athlete as well in that quarterback room. You add Brady Lichtenberg to all of that. Wow, that 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 room will be strong for a very long time. Absolutely, and you know they're always only one snap away from needing the next guy up. And then, as you touched on as well, just overall. You know, Miles Montgomery is is the name that a lot of people are going to like because his team has completely changed their offense to cater to his needs. They bring him out of the Wildcat formation. He had 35 carries, Aaron. Aaron, 35. When's the last time you did 35 of anything? I mean, I know in the NFL you'll see 35 carries, and that's even a rarity. So to see it in a, a high school game, especially out of the Wildcat, 186 yards, not too shabby either. Yeah, and, and that's a big-time player. And then, of course, you know, just, just with the addition of Shimon Matire, I like that one. And, and with the addition of him, it just really takes us to the next level, this class. You know, you, you look at his offer list, and it is just – it's laughable how many great offers he had. You know, it's it reminds you of that, you know, 2018 class, 2020 class with, you know, multiple great offers, you know, Miami, Florida, Auburn, Florida, you know, Florida State, you the list goes on and on with teams that were trying to court the services of this fantastic tight end. You already add him to this group of commits in the 2021 classic, a school full of winners. 
And the thing about Matiger is his team won the state championship in the talent-rich Florida high school. And, you know, it just continues to talk to the job that this entire staff has done. You know, Chad tweeted out something during the game where they're doing virtual visits for yeah, all the, for a bunch of 2021 class and, and 2022 class. Yeah, they, they are pulling out all the stops to continue to build this, to continue heading in the right direction. And that's what goes on behind the scenes. It's not just figuring out Desmond Ritter or Ben Bryant. It's not just saying, okay, we've got the triple option now. We're going to introduce this brand-new five-man front that Marcus Freeman did spectacularly this past weekend. You're talking about we've got to focus on recruiting as well. Got to do all of this. And it is all hands on deck. And it's great to see the staff has this team, this program, heading in the complete right direction. I mean, it feels really good right now to be a fan of the program. And there's not really any hiding what they've been able to do, especially with the highest, I believe it's the highest recruiting class right now that just came in. Not the not next year's, but the, yeah, the 2020. class. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the highest rated ever for Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, after having to deal with potentially the senator to be Tommy Tuberville in those years and knowing, <laughs> knowing how he uh, didn't recruit in the area and how many of these guys, not just coming from the area here locally uh, in this tri-state area, um, but also, you know, kind of getting outside of that tri-state area now that we've kind of established that present here in the tri-state area and being able to get a guy like Shimon Matire out of Florida. Yeah, and, you know, instead of finding where the greatest golf courses are and then recruiting that area, these these guys are going, <laughs> these guys are going and they are figuring out the ways to bring in the best players. But, you know, up next, South Florida – you know, the, the BCJ podcast with Chad and Dave will have plenty to cover that. You'll get my preview later in the week. You know, it's, it's, it seems like one of those games heading into a bye week, especially where you, you have to look great. The eyeball test has to love you heading into that week off. It has to be a situation where all of a sudden everyone's talking about, you know what, the, the Bearcats look great, you know. And then the next time that college game day talks about it, you're not going to have all these college game day analysts who, who are saying that the Bearcats are going to make it to the college football playoffs, all of a sudden picking them not even to, to beat Army at home. Uh, it's crazy. Crazy, Aaron. But big chance, Howard. South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> big chance against South Florida this weekend. Keep things heading in the right direction. Any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up, my man? No, I'd like, I, I don't want to beat the dead horse anymore. You know, obviously we want to see – uh, just this Bearcat team looked like the Bearcat team that we wanted them to be this year, as opposed to the Bearcat team that we were against Army. So I think we got a good shot of that against South Florida, get our legs under us. And I think we'll see some different things out of, uh, out of this Bearcat team. Yeah, you get it, man. Now, uh, another chance that obviously going to track a lot heading into that game this weekend, but I'm excited to see what they have drawn up. Aaron, you're going to have to be a little bit more of the eyes for me. I've got a wedding this weekend. Haven't, I, I don't even think I, I told Chad a long time ago, but I got to refresh him. I will not be at the game this weekend. I probably will not even be able to watch much of it. I will rewatch on Sunday or, or some of that sort, be able to, to gather in all the thoughts on it. But it's going to be a lot of you, Aaron, a lot of your insight look into the game. I will be at a wedding. Um, You're fired. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Waiting for that. The call from the heavens was waiting for it. You're fired. But, uh, you're out. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, signing off. Uh, 
For the last time. <laughs> For the last time here on the BBP. Two episodes strong. You made it. Yeah. Oh. No, but yeah, a lot a lot of exciting storylines to track the rest of the way. Uh, uh, for Aaron Smith, I am fired, freshly fired. Brent Young, thank you for listening to the BBP. Aaron, have a great week. I'll be uh, I'll be chatting with you throughout. Enjoy your wedding. All righty. See you guys.